Welcome to Radio KAL. This is the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman site in the world. This is uh, episode number 43, released on July 30th, 2008. My name's Steve Eunice, and joining me is Neil Bailey. Hi, Neil. Hey, Steve, 43, that's a lot of shows. Yeah, we're showing our age a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're uh, you're a little bit, uh, I believe, exhausted is the word from uh, Comic-Con International. That is absolutely correct. I kept running from uh, booth to booth to booth to booth, and I got all kinds of information, and then I just went online and found that CBR News Aroma beat me to the punch because I can't afford the satellite internets. <laughs> uh, and uh, was it as... Uh, as hectic as it sounds like it is? Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I don't know. I had a better experience last year. I don't know if it's because the movie people are moving in or because the panels got repetitive, whereas last year there was a whole bunch of new stuff, you know, announcing Final Crisis, whereas this year there was just kind of, you know, like updates on stories. But uh, there were a lot of people running around. I couldn't even get into the Smallville panel, and I came an hour early. They capped the line an hour before the thing even started, and... Uh, it was just, it was pretty hectic. I did have a lot of fun. I got some good books and met some really good people, and the people at the DC uh, MMORPG were really, really great. I got a report coming out about that soon. It'll probably be out by the time you hear this, but uh, yeah, other than that, it was kind of hectic. I think their, their talk of moving venues would be a good thing, and I think uh, maybe next year I'll pull back on the panels and maybe go more for creator interviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, is do you think it... Uh it's the kind of convention where you need a team of Superman homepage people there to try to cover everything, or is yeah, I think well, it, it kind of depends because it's always a balance. You know, you got to struggle between uh, what you want to do on your own and 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 what what would be best for the site. I think with a couple people there, it would have worked better. I think it also would have worked better, frankly. And I'm trying to put this as politely and politically as I can. If um, if people actually treated us more like like press instead of just oh that website, they don't realize that we get as much circulation as a paper would, you know. And they mm-hmm. kind of treat us like oh it's just those guys from that website. Never mind them, you know. So we, we it, it's kind of tough to get some exclusives that we would otherwise get if we had you know like a camera and a press pass and a print magazine, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's something to uh, concentrate on for next year. Uh, yeah. Obviously, with uh, the larger uh, websites and uh, like Newsarama and Comic Book Resources and those websites that uh, cover the comic industry as a whole, uh, I guess they get precedent over, uh, say, just us who we do just Superman, where, say, at Metropolis, uh, the Superman celebration there, obviously we're kingpins, but uh, here we're uh, small fries. Oh yeah, and you know, and they definitely earn it. I know that they do. I see, I see them in there typing and taking notes and working their butts off. It's more. Um, I like to, I like to frame the debate more than, uh, more than get the information. And I've always found that, that would be the way I better serve things because mostly that if I try and get scoops on information, unless I become like some kind of gossip dish or until unless I really work at things that will undermine other people's creative works, it just doesn't seem to work as well. So I like basically coming back and like I'm going to write a expose on the uh, Inkpot Awards and what it meant for me to see Noel Neal win that award and um, and and what it seemed to mean to her and I think I find that more interesting than say learning that there is going to be a new Batman or whatever, which was another thing that came out. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think getting the uh, personal flavor is uh, the way to go because, like I said earlier, those major news sites are going to get all the scoops in regards to uh, covering the panels and getting uh, some of the information, uh, you know, about what's coming up. So, you know, there's no need for us to uh, to struggle to uh, to match those guys. It's better off to get the uh, the fan flavor 
of uh, what yeah. the conventions are like. Definitely. Okay, well, let's get on to some of the news that came out of uh, Comic-Con. Um, probably the big one for comic fans and Smallville fans is the fact that uh, writer Jeff Johns is going to be writing an episode of Smallville that will introduce the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, yeah, actually, I um, I can't really comment as the specifics of that, but I am involved in, 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 in looking into that. Oh. Um, that's about as politically as I can put it. Um, you know, I write uh, on a completely unrelated subject, Steve. You know I write for Smallville <laughs> Magazine, right? Hmm, yes. Yes, um, yeah, well, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Okay. You know, no relation, no relation at all. Very good. Um, but... Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the Legion of Superheroes in Smallville myself, especially with Jeff Johns writing it, because I don't think, <laughs> you know, I'd rather not have them be crack addicts of uh, Gotham City, I want them to be the Legion of Superheroes, and you know, knowing the current staff on there, um, I, I, I think Jeff Johns coming in there would be pretty cool, and maybe he can create a, a character to get back at them for making him a villain a couple of years back, <laughs> yeah. who knows. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think I have a bit more faith in Jeff Johns than I do some of the writers currently writing for Smallville. Um, being a comic book person, he definitely wants to write the Legion of Superheroes uh, more in line with what they are in the comics than uh, what the writers of Smallville would probably do uh, if they got their hands on the characters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, and um, hopefully, you never know if this goes well. And I think looking at our current poll where people are saying that... Um, you know, they would be interested in seeing the Legion of Superheroes. That's the, the main focus that they're looking forward to in, in regards to the supporting cast. Um, they might ask Jeff Johns to write more episodes in, in Season 8, and I think that would only benefit the show. I hope so. That'd be really nice. But, uh, yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of little weird takes on the character, what do you think of uh, good old Doomsday there? The nice guy. Yeah, really, really nice guy is the way they're describing <laughs> him. Uh, okay, we know that Davis Bloom is a paramedic and um, supposedly he's been in and out of foster homes all his life and growing grown up in Metropolis, I guess it is, and uh, uh, tries to do the right thing, but uh, of late has noticed he's missing parts of his uh, day where he's been, he's black, you know, got blackouts and um, obviously discovers something really nasty about either what he's doing or what's happening during those uh, fugue states and um, I guess it, it's uh, well I was interested actually uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard any of the interviews from the round table oh yeah from Comic-Con. I was actually yeah I was actually standing right behind them when they were doing them I just couldn't you know I didn't know that we were allowed to have uh, cameras I kind of got the uh, the bad end of the stick on that, so I ended up flubbing that. But yeah, I was right behind him when they were giving those interviews. Yeah, well, I was interested to hear him say that um, as the character's arc progresses through Season 8, that he will become more aligned with what fans recognise as Doomsday in, from the comic book. So whether that, or, that you know means that he'll be getting you know, uh, bone... Pr- bones protruding out of his shoulders and knees and elbows or, uh, you know, whether he'll be getting a physical change, uh, I think that's quite interesting because he seemed to make a real point of drawing attention to the fact that his character would progress into something that was more aligned with the comic books. Yeah, I think that, you know, it it, it might be tough to realise. They might just give him some kind of... uh some kind of CG or something, but uh, I don't know. It, 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 I, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I think it's a really cornball idea, but if they do it well, I'll be, I'll be the first to applaud it. 
Um, same thing with the test market lady. And, and it's funny because cause, uh, listening to the interviews, he was really a nice, nice guy. He was a really <laughs> nice guy. But, uh, yeah, um, Doomsday starting as a human, I'm having trouble fathoming how that's going to work, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I that side of the things kind of grates on my nerves, but, uh, you know, why do we need to have a Doomsday who is human when, you know, it could easily be just another character. Uh, obviously, they're using the word Doomsday, the, the name, to get the comic book fans to have some kind of, uh, I don't know, reach to the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. They do their own little takes on all these characters, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Mixie didn't work out for me. Um, but we'll wait and see and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um but uh, Tess Mercer, uh, uh, she sounds interesting. <laughs> interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah she's going to obviously start off looking into uh, Clark Kent's knowledge about what's happened to Lex Luthor. That's what she seems to indicate is the beginning of her character's arc. Yeah, yeah, she was. She seemed like a very nice lady too. And listening to her interviews, she she seemed to have a pretty good grasp of the character. It was uh, it was a lot of the you know the PR style spin, but uh, I'm I'm guessing that. Uh, it could provide some interesting tension. I don't see how they're going to replace Rosenbaum, though. I just really don't. Yeah, well, they keep saying uh, little hints here and there that, oh, don't worry, you haven't seen the last of his bald head was uh, Clo- uh, Alison Mack's um, comment from her interview. Um, so whether or not he, uh, he could appear in later episodes of Season 8 is uh, something we don't know yet. But uh, as from all reports, he's, he's done with the show. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Let's talk about Superman comics. Okay, uh, I got a couple of things. All right, well, what do you you go? You start. Straight from the con. I know we were going to talk about the comics, but uh, from the con, you probably heard this news already on Newsarama and uh, CBR. But um, yeah, they they're, they're going to be doing a storyline in the near future where a hundred thousand Kryptonians from Candor are released, and they create a new Candor. Um, they're also going to be doing uh, a, the death of a major character, obviously, and, and and I don't know if that ties into Final Crisis. It seemed to kind of be indicated that it would come out of Final Crisis, um, but I don't know there. And they're also going to bring Crypto in in a big way, Supergirl and stuff that we already knew. But um, yeah, I like the uh, the idea of a hundred thousand Kryptonians trying to turn Earth into new Krypton. That kind of ups the stakes a little bit from Zod, and, and it gives Lex a real reason to come back. You saw he was at the end of Last Sun, so that looks pretty good. Yeah, well, I was interested to see that cover from uh, the Superman issue that ties that comes straight in after the new Krypton special number one. Uh, that has uh, a mix of different Kryptonian outfits. Uh, yeah. We've got the John Byrne, um, you know, the Kryptonian's outfit, but with a cape on the cover, but we've also got Silver Age-looking Kryptonian outfits as well. Yeah, did you hear about Supergirl and all that? Yeah, well, I believe that she's uh, tying into the Superman comic books, but is that what you're uh, alluding yeah. to? Well, not only that, but, uh, yeah, this one's for you, Anthony. Um, <laughs> we actually have... Um I, I, I listened to them talking about it on the panel, and they mentioned that uh, they were going to make Cat Grant and Lana Lang the, foil, uh, the foils and the aids for her in, in her comic book series and kind of really create a uh, supporting cast, supposedly, and, and really try and make it a character-based thing instead of just kind of the stuff that's going on now. The one piece of bad scary news was the, uh, the fact that they're going to continue to rely on Reactron! 
Mm, okay, but uh, yeah, well, that's interesting with Cat Grant because of the fact that at the moment in the Superman comics, she's uh, trying to do an expose on does the world need Supergirl? So yep, uh, exactly. That's uh, that's an interesting one, and I think that's probably what's been lacking most out of the Supergirl comics is the fact that she doesn't really have a supporting cast. Where the uh, Supergirl from uh, uh, you know the Earthbound, Linda Earth Dan- Angel, Linda Danvers, Supergirl, had a great supporting cast. So, yeah. uh, And uh, speaking of Linda Danvers, I believe there's rumours that she's coming back. Yeah, well, they said uh, <laughs> uh, everything that uh, Jeff Johns was uh, told about characters, he always said, I need Black Lanterns. So, you know, um, that was I'm not sure if that was in jest or not. But, uh, yeah, apparently she's going to be back in Rain and Hell. Mm. And... Um, that's 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 what they were saying on the panels, and it could be interesting to see them uh, actually finally meet face to face. Who knows? Yeah, well, we've listed Rain in Hell number one uh, as being available and being a Superman-related comic book. Um, we haven't decided yet whether we'll be reviewing it, but uh, that'll probably be decided by time uh, you listen to this episode. So um, that's uh, available now, Rain in Hell number one, and Linda Danvers is supposedly in that book, so uh, we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, In current Superman comic books at the moment, uh, on one hand you've got uh, James Robinson with Atlas, and on the other hand you've got Jeff Johns with Brainiac. Uh, Which are you enjoying more? Definitely Brainiac so far. Atlas has been kind of scattered. It seems like Robinson is finding his voice, but I think there's something in there that's going to click and be good. Mm. Um, I don't know, I just, I haven't got much empathy or enjoyment for the science police and this whole Atlas becoming a uh, Kirby-style character. It was very good for the art, but uh, it was also kind of hokey to a degree, Uh, particularly, like, you've got Atlas pointedly turning to this general guy and saying, so, tell me exactly how you found me again, which is, in other words, hey, let's have you extrapolate through dialogue and see what happens. Mm. Um... But I do believe it's leading somewhere, and I've got a very good feeling about uh, Robinson, even if the first two issues haven't been particular to, particularly to my taste, particularly since uh, because of the art in the first one, I didn't um, I didn't recognize that it wasn't Superman killing that giant monster, so uh, so the story got a lot better after I realized that fact, and um, I, I think he could go somewhere really good with it, but I just, I, I tire of pet character arcs, you know what I mean? Yeah, I... Uh haven't really warmed to James Robinson as yet. I don't. His uh, dialogue with Superman and, and Lois, or Clark and Lois, kind of left me a bit uh, confused or a bit. Uh, you know, they just seemed a bit petulant. Um, yeah. And so I wasn't really. It hasn't really grown on me as yet, but uh, the Brainiac story with Jeff Johns seems to be moving along at a, a nice pace. Uh, it's It's interesting because. Um, you know, we haven't fully really seen Brainiac yet or what he can do or what his motives are. So, um, yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting... Uh, well, I was interested to hear that Jeff Johns has Superman comics planned out till 2010. So, uh, I yeah. think I've got a real plan pretty, ahead there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be really, really awesome. Excellent. Well, uh, on the other hand, the flip side of good comics, we've got Trinity. Um, which unfortunately <laughs> just seems to be dragging on. It doesn't seem to be actually going anywhere. Um, it just seems to have no point. What, you're not enjoying it? <laughs> um, I, I don't think you are either, by the looks of your no, reviews. No. no, definitely not. Yeah, um, 
God, and that's the funny thing. Like, like uh, usually when I start panning a writer, I uh, I really just don't have any any feelings either way towards the writer themselves. But I feel kind of bad for Busey because he was so kind to the site. You know, he gave us a lot of interviews and answered a lot of questions and stepped to his own defense a number of times, which I thought was very essential for creators. And I think it helps the products along. Um, and I think that's a large part of the reason he has such a fanatic fan base is because he realized and people realize that he's accessible to the fans. But that doesn't, you know, change the fact that the story sucks, you know? Um, and I, I, I'm i reading it, and I'm looking for the good. I am, because I want to give a positive review. And in the first review, I really did. But um, now I'm seeing the same stuff that played Countdown, extrapolation through dialogue, names in dialogue, a very slow, plotting story. If you pick up an issue of 52 and look at it, every single issue had three or four major plot lines that were told with heart and character. And here it just seems like they're like they're treading water, and it's like, what the hell? Okay, so everybody's got to get a tattoo. We get that already. Okay, so Batman is a arbiter of justice, and Superman is a warrior figure, and and uh, Diana is there to change the world. You know, they've said that about fifty damn times. And uh, you got convict, and and they got third tier villains running up and down this whole thing, and. I don't know. I'm trying to make heads or tails of it, and and even if this does lead somewhere, it's just I don't know. I can't get any excitement out of it at all, and I'm trying. Yeah, it just seems to. Uh, I mean, you get like six issue miniseries, and you know that there's going to be an issue in there where things are dragged out a little bit, so they can pad it up to be six issues. But um, this is like a, what 52 <laughs> issues, and it seems to be all padding at the moment. It just doesn't seem to actually be moving anywhere, and you, you get a lot of repetitiveness with uh, the same kind of uh, messages being in each issue about this is what the Trinity is, this is who they are, and this is what they stand for, and it doesn't actually actually seem to be progressing anywhere. Uh, it seems to be such a slow pace. Yeah, and if you think about 52, if you remember 52, what was happening at the end of it when you listen to the interviews from the writers and the creators, they're like, ah, we had so much more story to tell, but we couldn't fit it in there, you know? And I don't get that feeling out of this. I think that right now they've got so little story and so much space to fill, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, let's let's hope Kurt can actually turn it around and, uh, you know, because I think he's going to start losing people pretty quickly. Um, Yeah, I hope so. All right, well, let's move away. We've touched on Comic-Con, we've touched on Smallville, we've touched on comic books. Uh, In the movie department, uh, since our last episode, we've uh, had comments by Mark Miller, who uh, fans will remember wrote Superman for a while and uh, is uh, well-known in the Marvel Universe at the moment. He's got his movie out at the moment uh, called Wanted, based on uh, his comic book uh, story. And it seems to be doing fairly well at the box office. So he's got a name out there and uh, supposedly has an idea for a pitch for a Superman reboot. Uh, Reinventing Superman is the way he described it. Um, I was a fan of Mark Miller on the Superman books. I really enjoyed what he did on the Superman Adventures title. But uh, I'm not sure about this. Uh, I don't really think we need to have a reboot and I don't think we need Superman reinvented. Um, What's your take? I think he's got the uh, the chops to tell a good gritty story, and I think he's got the chops to tell a very simple Superman story. I I too was right on there for the uh, for the Superman Adventures comic, and it's really weird because at the time I was into more adult comic books, mm-hmm. but uh, just the idea of reinventing Superman. Anyone who pops right out there and says, you know what, let's just scrap the entire Superman Returns singer thing. 
obviously is missing a little bit something about the continuity of character that needs to be maintained. Um, I'm not saying we should keep all of the elements from Superman Returns. I'm just saying that, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, right now I have an article that I'm writing, and I could give you ideas about what I should do with it and what I think I'm going to do with it, but the reality is I'm just going to create it and put it out for you, and it's either going to be good enough or not, and that's the way that art kind of works. If It, it kind of seems to me that he's really pushing himself out there so that he can get the Superman movie and he really doesn't have much of a chance so this is his only desperation ploy. And it reminds me of a lot of the fans who... I've got a lot of fans who very in, in earnest write me and say, hey, read this Superman script and forward it on to the movie people like I have, you know, any kind of way of doing that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what Mark Miller sounds like right now. He sounds like kind of a desperate fanboy. And I can understand that because I would give my... Um, I can't say that. I would give my nose. <laughs> I would give my nose to write a Superman book. I really, or a Superman book or a Superman movie. I really would, but that's just not the way to go about it. It's like going up to Dan DeDio on a panel and saying, "Hey, I got this idea. Will you listen to it?" Um, it's shouting it out to public, and it's kind of unprofessional to a degree. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I have no doubt that Mark Miller would do a great Superman movie, um, and uh, I just, I don't know, I. You know, I've got one foot in each camp kind of thing. I'd like to see um, Brian Singer and Brandon Routh be able to do a second Superman movie that, uh, you know, improves on Superman Returns. Uh, it wasn't a perfect movie. I don't want to see the kid again. But anyway, that's a separate issue. Um, but at the same token, I'd, I'd like to see what Mark Miller could do because I know that he's he knows the character and he's passionate about the character and uh, could probably do an awesome film. But... Um, I think maybe, you know, that boat has sailed for him. I'm not sure. Let's uh, let's wait and see. Uh, at the moment, it's just him making a lot of noise, uh, banging on tins and hoping that uh, the powers that be will uh, will listen to him. But um, at this stage, it just seems like there's uh, nothing happening with the Superman movies. We believe that Brian Singer is in development. And Brandon Ralph says that they're going to start filming in early 2009. But uh, nothing official has come from Warner Brothers, so bear with us. We'll uh, bring you whatever news comes out uh, as it does. Yeah, just think of it like we waited 14, what, 14 years for the last one? No, not more than more than 14. Oh, God, it was like 20 years. 20 years for the last one. Five years isn't so bad, but, jeez, I wish they would get on it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm with you there. Let's. Uh, we don't want them to rush it, but we don't want them to take their time either. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, they can't win, but uh, let's hope, uh, having a look at what, the Dark Knight did and what it's still doing at the box office that uh, Warner Brothers realises that a serious take on the character with uh, lots of action and lots of drama and, and uh, you know, that's the way to go. Let's see a Superman movie that uh, equals, if not better, or if not improves on what The Dark Knight did. Yep, I agree. Tough act to follow, but I'm sure they can do it. So, well, let's uh, move on to the big question segment. Let's start with the big question. In last month's show, we asked fans to let us know who was their favourite version or actress or whatever of Lois Lane. Who was your favourite Lois Lane version? And we've got plenty of good responses, or we actually got four, which is not bad. Uh, you want to kick off first? 
Sure. We got Danielle McIntosh, who wrote, I think Terry Hatcher, for me, is the best because she really embodied all aspects of the character. She was headstrong, gutsy, ballsy, but became weak in the knees in the presence of Superman. Well, I think that other actresses, including voice actresses, have done a fine job in their role with Superman Clark Kent counterparts. Terry's portrayal seemed to be as if it just jumped off the page of the comic book, which is how a lot of people describe the first couple of seasons of Lois and Clark. Very good. Well, thank you there. Uh, Calvin Bowes. Uh, sends in his response. He says, My all-time favourite Lois Lane was Terry Hatcher. The reason was she's so damn sexy. She also was able to be <laughs> the uh, tough career woman who had a real feminine vulnerability. She's also the only Lois Lane I've fallen for, and so, like Neil with Alison, they probably will put a restraining order on me too until she re- realises it's meant to be. <laughs> but it will work out <laughs> and soon me and Terry and Neil and Allison can have our beautiful double wedding in Metropolis isn't love grand Neil <laughs> you know I tell you if that happens one of them is going to turn out to be a clone you know how these yeah. things are eating frogs <laughs> yeah. okay All right. what's, what's the next one what's, that? what's the next okay, one you got Joker. Uh, Duke Early wrote, uh, big question, fave Lois Lane equals Erica Durant. The Smallville writers don't always give her a lot to work with, no kidding, but she really has the lowest attitude. Also, she's a wacky hot woman, in case you hadn't noticed. Oh, I had noticed. (laughs) P.S., glad you guys had such a good time at Metropolis. Thanks, me too. Thank you, Duke. Uh, and next we have Michael Bailey, our own Michael Bailey, who recorded his own, he recorded his own MP3, uh, answer, so he's, we'll hand over to Michael now. You know, it's it's really tough choosing who my favorite Lois Lane is. You know, I grew up with Margot Kidder, so you might think she would be a lock for the uh, first place, but that's really not the case. You know, there, there have been so many fine actresses to play the character over the past 70 years in radio and on television and in movies and animation. And, you know, at the end of the day, I really have to go with Phyllis Coates as my ultimate favorite Lois Lane. Uh, Phyllis played the character in the first season of the Adventures of Superman television series, as well as the Superman and the Mole Men movie that preceded that show. I always found her Lois Lane to be very tough and no-nonsense, but still have a softer side that she would let show every once in a while, and the woman could scream like nobody's business, you know, even better than Margot Kidder. It's really nothing against Noelle Neal either. I thought she made a fine Lois Lane. I mean, she was the first live-action Lois uh, in the film serials and in the you know rest of the Adventures of Superman television series, but for me, I really have to go with Phyllis Coates. Well, thanks for giving me about a minute to say my piece, and now back to Stephen Neal at the WKAL news desk, or something like that. Thank you, Michael. Very well said. And remember, people, that uh, you can get involved in the big question segment by sending in your own MP3 file of your answer. Or like the other guys did, you can send in a text answer via email. And we'll get into the next big question, which is, what do you think of the Legion of Superheroes coming to Smallville in Season 8? What do you think of that idea? What do you think of Jeff Johns writing the episode? Let us know what you think. As I said, you can uh, send in your answer uh, by email by clicking on the big question button at the Radio KAL webpage, or you can send in an MP3 file uh, of your own audio answering that question by doing the same thing. So get involved, and um, we'll play those or read out those responses in our next Radio KAL podcast. Okay, something interesting. We've got a new segment of the show. Um, 
we've already heard from Michael Bailey in regards to his uh, answer to the big question segment. We've now got a new segment called Bailey's Bookshelf. And Bailey! Yeah, it's not Neil Bailey, it's Michael Bailey. And again, <laughs> no relation. Uh, nope. So uh, let's, uh, let's hear from Michael with his new segment, Bailey's Bookshelf. Yay! Welcome, everybody, to the first installment of Bailey's Bookshelf, a monthly segment where I go to the bookcase here in the Fortress of Baileytude, pick out one of the many trades I have crammed on the shelf, and give you a quick, mostly spoiler-free rundown on it. For this inaugural edition, I chose a book that came out in 2006 to gear up for the then-upcoming release of Superman Returns. Superman vs. Lex Luthor is an anthology trade showcasing some of the best and brightest battles between the Man of Steel and his archenemy. I really didn't know what to expect when I bought it, and admittedly it took a few years for me to actually get around to reading it because I have a backlog of trades to read like you wouldn't believe, but I was rather surprised at how much I enjoyed this volume. Usually greatest hits trades tend to lead to a disjointed read, but despite the fact that the first two stories are a bit rough to slog through, the next seven build nicely upon each other and give a clear insight into the pre-crisis on Infinite Earth's Lex Luthor. The first story comes from Action Comics number 23, cover date April 1940. This was Luther's first appearance, and the character bears absolutely no resemblance to the Luther that would come later, except on Earth 2, but uh, if you know what Earth 2 is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the plot moves quickly, as most Golden Age stories did, and portrayed Luther, no first name, just Luther, as a red-headed, robe-wearing, would-be world conqueror. Luther supposedly perished at the end of that story, but I guess he proved popular enough to bring back. I guess. I mean, there's a trade that I'm going over here called Superman vs. Lex Luthor. So. The second story, my least favorite from this volume, is Titanic Thefts from Superman number 90, cover date June 1954. This is a very typical 50s and 60s tale of Superman as he is forced by Luthor to steal things like the Eiffel Tower with Superman outsmarting the villain by the end of the story. It's not a bad story, I just don't really care for it too much. The pre-crisis Luther's origin was examined in both How Luther Met Superboy from Adventure Comics 271, April 1960, and The Luther Nobody Knows from Superman number 292, October 1975. While the latter has a bit more characterization than the former, uh, they both delve into why Luther hated Superman, and, and both have a lot of charm to them as well. I used to believe that the concept of Superboy accidentally causing Luther's hair to fall out was kind of silly as an origin for a villain, but both stories reveal that there was much more to it than that, especially how Luther meant Superboy. After his hair falls out, the whole town of Smallville seems to turn on Lex because several of his inventions end up failing, catastrophically so. So not only does Luther lose his hair because Superboy was careless, but the entire town of Smallville comes down on him at the same time. 
God, no wonder he turned to crime. Other stories include The Army of Living Kryptonite Men from Superboy number 86, January 1961. The showdown between Luther and Superman from Superman number 164, October 1963. Luther Unleashed from Action Comics number 544, June 1983. The Einstein Connection, a latter-day pre-crisis Superman story from Superman number 14, February 1986. Enemy Mine from Man of Steel number 4 which is given a cover date of November 1986, but um, Man of Steel actually didn't have cover dates on them, so that's kind of interesting. The classic Metropolis 900 Miles from Superman number 9 from September 1987. One of my favorite Luther stories of all time, Checkmate, is also included from Superman number 131, January 1998, and Triumph Over Tragedy from Superman Lex 2000, the January 2001 special. Also included is the profile from the President Lex Secret Files and Origins and the awesome George Perez pinup from Action Number 544. I also kind of dug the cover, which features Superman in the 80s war suit Luther going at it over the streets of Metropolis, but I like the kind of old school type of stuff. I give this book a firm recommendation. The stories vary in style and execution, but most of them are solid reads and really get into Luther, his past, and his war with Superman. At $19.99 American, this is well worth the price of admission and will serve as a nice companion to the upcoming Superman vs. Brainiac trade, which comes out in a few months. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thanks, Michael. Excellent segment of the show. Uh, if you have any ideas that you would like uh, Michael to, you know, any trade paperbacks that you're interested in hearing Michael reviewing uh, from the Superman uh, world, uh, feel free to send an email to Michael or to myself, and uh, we'll endeavour to uh, get Michael to review one of those trades in future episodes of Radio KAL. A rescue is planned. Rescue. I'm going after her, and Robin and Wonderbird too. I thought maybe you could help. Kara falls deeper within her brainwashing. Did I please you, Lord Darkseid? I will only be pleased when the job is done. At once, my lord. Luther explores newfound power. This is madness! Oh no, you damned alien imposter. This is justice. Stop you, Lex. I always do. And extreme measures are called for. You're holding back. I'm always holding back. Not this time. Vindicatum rages on in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton. Issue 43 on July 30th, 2008. PendantAudio.com Darkseid's revelry is interrupted. They scatter. They flee. They fight. All at my command. It's beautiful. The thrall is quite remarkable in sowing her discontent. A woman scorned. Johnny! The wounded are mounting. I don't care what you think. You'd better start, or your protege will die while you attend to these morons. I don't play favorites. I trust Robin to handle himself. I have to. Why can't you understand that? Questions arise. Why Luther? 
Why to destruction? Why give your power to chaos? I have granted him great power, but not all power. And the best joke of power is in the punchline. And the final battle explodes. Flex! You're only hurting yourself! You're... You're a better person than this. It all ends here. Vindicatum concludes in Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, issue 15, on July 30th, 2008. Only at PendantAudio.com. Super secret soundbite time. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, well, last month's sound came from the episode uh, Wrath, or Wrath, as you Americans would pronounce it, uh, from <laughs> Season 7, Episode 7, and only three people guessed it correctly, and they were Stephen Holmes, Frank Emanuel, and Jim Bennett. Hey. Congratulations. Good job, guys. Yeah, well done. And let's see if you can guess which episode this sound comes from. Now I'm off to see Clark Kent in a wet t-shirt. Care to join me? Hmm, what do you think, Neil? Uh, I think that's definitely the Super Friends circa 1986. Uh, it's close, but uh, it's actually from a Smallville episode, so... Oh, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound comes from, click on the uh, button at the Radio KL webpage, and we'll read out all the people who correctly guessed that episode uh, in our next Radio KAL podcast. Superman song time. All right, let me guess. This is a beatnik version of Can You Read My Mind? Hey, actually, not far from it, you know. It's uh, from the Superman movie. Um, It's uh, the Superman movie theme uh, done with heavy metal guitars by uh, UK Superman fan Chris White and his band called Dionize. Thank you. 
Yep, pretty cool there. Thank you, uh, Chris White, for letting us use that sound, that uh, song, and obviously John Williams, who wrote the original music. So uh, if you, uh, that's that's a show for another month. Um, it's coming on pretty quickly. Yeah, very nice. And remember, if you have any suggestions for the show, any topics you'd like Neil and I to discuss, as I said, if you've got a, a trade paperback that you'd like Michael Bailey to review, uh, if you have a big question suggestion, all you have to do is click on the KAL Mail Feedback button found at the Radio KAL webpage at supermanhomepage.com and we'll you know, endeavour to use those suggestions in a future episode of Radio KAL. Uh, Neil, I guess you can go get some sleep now after Comic-Con. Yep, sounds good. All right, take care, everybody. You stay classy, lightning lad. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.